0: Welcome to Making It Happen, a career in the performing arts where we discuss how to break into the performing arts industry for yourself or your child, teen, or young adult. Guests include artists, creatives, casting directors, musical directors, choreographers, agents, and managers, as well as parents of young professional actors, singer, dancers, all who are passionate and share my vision of helping talented individuals land professional representation and have successful careers in the arts. My name is Lisa Solek, and I am the CEO and founder of Making It Happen a Career in the Performing Arts, having helped hundreds of clients break into the business on stage, in films, television, commercial work, and more. This podcast is supplemental to my groundbreaking online courses, Professional Kids and Teens 101, a Primer for Parents, and Professional Biz 201 for Young Adults, College Students, and Graduates. For more information, check out all the ways that you can benefit from my courses, my programs, my free weekly newsletter, and free guides. Go to lbctalent.com or lbctalent.thinkific.com. My guests today are Carolyn and Patty Chester. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi. Hi, great. How are you? I'm good. I'm really thrilled that you guys could be here. I know it's been tough because your schedules are so different. And even though you live in the same house, you know, that's what happens when you have a busy working performer in the house, you know. Um, So I'm really excited to have you, Carolyn, because I know you recently got signed um, with an agent for commercial dance. And I really haven't had anybody else on the podcast as yet who is pursuing that career. So I'm really excited to talk to you about that journey of recent and Patty thrilled to have you share your perspective on how the journey went and how that was for you and how you helped to guide her, because I think it'll be really helpful for our um, listeners To gain information and insight and be able to kind of follow that path a little bit if that's what their journey, you know, holds ahead of them. So yeah, so let's just let's start at the beginning. I always ask everyone, like when, Carolyn, when did you know that you had the affinity, the talent, the ability to to do this in in a way that was possibly going to be career bound? Like were you really little? Was it not until you were a teenager? What was the
1: beginning of the journey? So I started later than a lot of dancers. I started when I was 11, like professional, like wanting to be professional um, because I just, I always really loved music and I enjoyed dancing on my own time, but I've never, I never like connected to it until I got like super inspired at like the end of 10. Like I was just watching other dancers do their thing and dancers who were my age, like 10 at the time. And I was like, oh my, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do forever. And like like seeing different kinds of dance like commercial dance at that time was a little bit less like accessible to me like I was seeing a lot of classical dance and I I love classical too but I was starting to see that commercial dance and I was like no I want to do this like this is what I want to do I didn't know if I could do it yet but I was like mom please like I'm begging you like put me in class please I don't care what class I just need to like I want to do this
0: so wait, let me ask you this. So Patty, did you recognize it at that time? Or was it something that was just, you put her into a class or you see her dancing around the house? Like what, what were, what were the things that you might've noticed in regard to any kind of talent brewing there? Like, was it there? Was she playing around the house or was she dancing, you know, for relatives <laughs> that's young, right? Age 10. So what was your perception of that? Well, she, She always danced,
2: I mean, as soon as she, even really before she could stand up on her own. She is, had an affinity for it forever. Um, Any kind of repetitive sound, she could kind of hear the beat and she would dance to it. Um, We did try, um, because my older daughter was in, um, with Oleg Bransky at um, Pennsylvania Youth Ballet. And so I did enroll her in some classes when she was real little, like four or five, but they were just way too rigid for her, and was too structured at the time, so she was not ready for that. But she, I could see she had all mechanics. She was very flexible. She had beautiful turnout. Um, I just, she just seemed to have all of the the basic ingredients. Um, and then all of a sudden, just a switch flipped, and she decided that that's what she wanted to do. So then it was just a matter of um, we were no longer out. Uh, as close to um, PYB geographically at the time. So then it was just a matter of finding really good teachers, really good schools for her to to take dance. Because uh-huh. I, I, I know that, you know, you and I have talked about this before, but I was never going to waste money on those, you know, whatever you want to call them, the Dolly Dinkle Dance Studios. But, uh-huh. so.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, I think, I think, too, you should mention your background, Patty, because you speak already, you're speaking from a voice of knowledge and understanding. So maybe give everybody an idea of what your background is with dance. Oh, okay. So I
2: studied um, ballet. And uh, back in the day, it was jazz. And, um, you know, growing up, and I was actually in a couple of ballet companies, Um, two of them were professional. Um, there was a moment where I was thinking maybe I would do that for a living, but, you know, it was a different day and age. My parents weren't really behind that. They really wanted me to go to college and kind of, you know, do something academic and just, just to have dance as something I did, um, for fun for myself on the side, mm-hmm. which was fun. Um, I did go to college. I ended up going to law school. Um, but the nice thing for me was that it it made it very easy for me to look at a dance studio to go and observe a class and know, is this teacher any good? Is this teacher not any good? And I feel like one of the most important things as a parent is to make sure if you're, whether it's just for your kid's enjoyment or they want to eventually pursue a career, I don't think you should waste money on any of the classes that aren't really teaching your child the really good skills you know to all the basics all the important skills to learn how to dance well and correctly
0: because it's going to help with everything not just if you're going to have a career in it Mm -hmm. yeah sure sure so carolyn what happened then so now you started classes and let's take us from there
1: um so i started because i was blessed with a mom who knows everything about technique so um (laughs) It was really good that I got into like classical classes first. I started just training in ballet. I would do that like four times a week. Um, and at this point, I was look. We were looking for commercial dance studios, but also like, that was real. At that time, it was really hard to come by like good classes in like your area. Well, you're not like right by the city, so I was watching videos on YouTube from all the people in Los Angeles. This was before people did like video tutorials, so I would just go really slowly. I would watch the videos like a hundred times over and I would just learn them. I would just learn whatever was like going on with all like the young Casey Rice, like all those people. I was just watching their classes. I knew all the dancers and I was just learning those combos and I probably mirrored them wrong, but I was learning like all the right moves and stuff. And then eventually when they started like making tutorials, I did that. And I finally got to do, like I continued doing classical which I I absolutely love as well. Um, But then I started doing like all the commercial styles I wanted as well. And I was, I was at, I was in heaven. I was so, so happy to like get to do a bunch of different styles of dance because I always wanted to be specialized in every style. Like I wanted to be, (laughs) okay, but not just versus, like I wanted to specialize in every single like, like Western style. Like I was so interested in all of it. And then I remember I, absolutely begged to be a part of the competition team yeah which like <laughs> wasn't it wasn't like a competition team that like stereotypical competition teams are we it wasn't like based on winning or any of that and we didn't set like cheesy dances up like we had like real good teachers we did like yeah. modern background we had like professional choreographers from, came in from the city and mm-hmm. like those choreographers were giving us stuff that were amazing dance wise necessarily do good at competition but it taught us to be so comfortable performing and that ended up being an amazing experience but i only got to do it for like three years at the end of like high school but i remembered i told her i would not frown for an entire year if she signed me up and that was actually (laughs) correct i was so so happy when i got to be performing all the time that's what i love i finally said yes to the
2: competition team when it was at a level and with a group that it was going to add skills to her repertoire. It wasn't just so that she could, uh, you know, line up a bunch of trophies. We were no, never really about the no. trophies. I mean, you did win trophies, but we were that wasn't what it was about. It was really more that she already had enough of a base of technique knowledge that the next part of what she needed to learn if she wanted to be a professional was um, uh, all those performance skills. Um, and that's what that's what that particular competition team offered. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So she- it's a tricky thing, right? Because in the dance world, it's like, what do you do? Do you send your child to like a classical conservatory type program? Or do you kind of give them that opportunity to do all the different genres? And there's always this kind of pull and tug between competition schools and conservatories. But I think there can be a middle ground somewhere where it's about the education and it's about the the different genres and it's about really thinking of each individual performer as as simply that the performer that you're trying to educate wholly like and giving them every opportunity to explore all those avenues right because some competition dance studios are so into, you know, the competition circuit, just like any other sports team might be. And so it's all about like, we want to win a national and we're going to set things up a certain way so that sometimes you're not learning all of the different genres. You're in a space where you're in row two or row three, right? (laughs) And you don't have an opportunity to do all the dancing. So I think it's, it's tough to kind of pick and choose. I mean, obviously you guys landed in a place that was right for Carolyn that worked for her and there's, there's. I think there's good things to say about both. It just depends on what the goal and what the orientation is. You know, you, Patty, did basically a classical training program and ended up in a ballet company. And now you were open enough to allow her to do something other than that, which has been, you know, fruitful, obviously. Um, So let's talk about the college journey and the thoughts behind, because I know you guys have a lot to share that's going to help listeners in regard to what do you do when your child wants to major in a performing arts field and how do you handle all of that so how did things transpire at that time when she was like a junior senior patty and and give us a little of insight about how that worked for you guys
2: from like age of 10 11 she was very driven as far as a dance career so we knew that that was going to be part of her future one way or another. We could you know assist with that or we could try to fight you know swim against that um, so basically the the good thing was that she was interested in also having a university career. She wanted to to do both mm-hmm. um we we actually auditioned at a variety of. I don't mean like we auditioned at fifteen schools. What I mean is we auditioned for some schools that were universities and would offer other programs, and then at places um, that were more um, conservatory based, and really you couldn't you couldn't major in something else. And you know she she did get in UNCSA's program, which was you know a wonderful no conservatory good. program. But it was absolutely not offer her anything outside of that, and so there was there was kind of that push and pull, and she realized those are the only four years. If she really is going to get out and dance, she's really going to have to, you know, move on it as soon as she graduates college. So those are the only four years she can really do that whole college experience. So mm-hmm. she turned down UNCSA, and she decided that um, the program that she chose was going to be a regular university program so that she could do everything and she could also double major, which she did. Um, so, I mean, from our perspective as parents, we were grateful for that because she's got uh, two degrees. She's got another degree that she um, already is kind of using in her side hustle to yes. earn money while she's you know, in between auditions and things. Sure. But it was still important to pick a program that was going to, like once again, just like with the competition team, add to her her set of skills and so mm-hmm. um she ended up with a modern program and it really did um i mean
0: mm-hmm. a whole a whole world of modern opened up mm-hmm. for her mm-hmm. well carolyn what are the majors what are you what did you come away with degree wise
1: um so i have a bfa in dance and then i have a double major in psychology yeah she has a ba in psychology B-
0: as well. oh gotcha okay and this was at rutgers university correct Yes. In in New Jersey. Okay. All right. Cool. So how, how was it juggling that? So you were, you did a double major and you're doing a performance career plan. How did that work out? I mean, just to give somebody like, if there's somebody like you, who's a senior in high school thinking, Oh, I want to do that too. Like give them a little bit of an idea about, I don't know, like a typical week, a typical month
1: having a double major. What's that like? Uh okay so I picked one of the most I think it's the second highest credit intensive major is-, is dance at school so like it was a more intense and long schedule than like my high school schedule and high school typically people go from high school to college and they're like this is literally nothing comparatively but um there were some days that I was dancing for like 10 hours a day and I also had like online classes or some days that I had like Less dance and I had like three plus hours of just class class. It was a lot. But as long as you love what you're doing, it really like it didn't like it wasn't hard for me to juggle at all because I really, truly loved learning about psychology. And I also like love dance, even when it's hard sometimes to wake up. It's I loved what I was doing and I I like to learn. So like it wasn't super hard to juggle, but it was constantly like a very intimidating schedule to look at. Like I had like 19 classes, that's like a week. Like that's not 19 enrolled classes, but I mean like you're having the same ballet class, modern class like every single day and you have like a rotation class. Sometimes you have like rehearsals on the weekends, you have rehearsals on like at night. So like I had like 19 blocks on my schedule per week and that's not counting all of my rehearsals. So like it was a lot. some programs do it differently, but it wasn't it wasn't too much. Like I, I loved what I was doing and all of the dancers who were going into this came from typically came from competition or conservatory programs where they already know like rehearsals are gonna last like six hours after school and you already did school. Like it mm-hmm. is exactly what they've been doing and it's just kind of continues into college if you wanna do like a double major. But it, it does like, it is sometimes hard to see, like, your, if you have friends outside of your major, that they only have to go to, like, two classes a week, and then they can do whatever they want. That's a little sad sometimes, but <laughs> I'm very passionate about what I do, so I, I didn't end up really caring about that, but... It is very different from a normal college student.
0: So what was the big takeaway from Rutgers? Like, like, give me, give me the big, you know, or a couple of things that you felt that really made a huge difference in your career trajectory that you learned at Rutgers as a dance major.
1: So uh, a dance major, like I, it was very concert dance. So it wasn't necessarily like the path that I was going is commercial dance, but I got to keep up with my like technique because I had ballet classes every day while I could Like I didn't, I didn't go backwards because I had technical training while I was studying and doing a major in something else as well. I had studio space, so it really helped me because whenever I wanted to go, like after school or like after rehearsal, I could just use the studio space. So it really helped me develop my artistic voice, just as like a dancer myself, as a choreographer, as anything. I got to choreograph for my friends for fun. I got to do rehearsals and make pieces. Like it helped me just as an artist to develop, which helps. In like a lot of commercial classes I do now, like knowing what my voice is and what I wanna say and how I like to move improv, having space just open to me to create and explore and like invent new movement was super helpful. Um, Also of course, uh, not a lot of people went into commercial dance but knowing like a network of dancers and being around that and just like keeping up with those, with like what's going on in the field even if it's not necessarily what I like, what's my field That's always helpful too. And we all like throw opportunities back and forth for like in between teaching jobs and stuff like that, which Mm -hmm. has just helped the transition into like adult life right after college. That Mm -hmm. helps that a little bit smoother. Sure. And obviously taking a lot of modern classes made me way better as a contemporary dancer. It Mm -hmm. helped with ballet. It helped with in any styles. It helped my transitions to like the floor, like understanding my weight transfers. Like that was that was really helpful training, even Mm -hmm. though it is, I'm not necessarily going to try to go into like a modern company. Mm -hmm. I do Mm -hmm. appreciate that style a lot. And it was, Mm -hmm. it was helpful. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, when you, when you were there, you're very close to New York city. Did you find yourself like kind of gravitating toward the city and doing anything there to start networking, but prior to graduation, can you talk about that a bit?
1: Absolutely. So that was the one, that was one thing that was a downside that there was little to no commercial dance at, The school, because it was a modern dance school, and they Mm -hmm. might be transitioning a little bit more now, but when I was there, there was nothing. Uh There wasn't even necessarily like a kind attitude towards commercial dance. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of up to me to make sure I continued my training and move myself forward in that way. So I continued doing like video things, learning videos on my own at those studios, but absolutely on the weekends, whenever I could, after class, I would take a train into the city because there was one right on campus. Mm -hmm. And I would just go take as many classes as I possibly could and then come back home and try to get to know whatever teachers were doing things and choreographing and try to make some teachers that were just like teaching exactly the kind of things that I needed to learn. Make sure that they knew who I was. They like have seen me before and try to get like extra feedback from them because it wasn't my my program wasn't going to make sure that I had those things. So I needed to understand, first of all, the things that I needed and then go out and get them myself those teachers aren't necessarily going to connect with you, like your college teachers who are grading you will. So it's up to you to make those relationships. But yeah, I was close enough to the city that thankfully I could easily go and do that part myself. And that kept me like going forward constantly for my commercial track.
2: Mm -hmm. I mean, that was -hmm. one of the bonuses about Rutgers. It had, it kind of had all of those aspects. It had the university aspects. She could do the double major. She would get, Solid technique from them. She would also be near enough to New York City that she could keep continuing with that. And then we also um, tried to make the best of any breaks over Christmas breaks. She would do yeah. like a BDC intensive. Um, we sent her still to really solid intensives over the summers so that would um, yeah. always include a commercial component or else yeah, yeah, yeah. just some kind of technique thing that she just kept me. Living. Yeah just technical. something that kept her going forward on the path mm-hmm. that she's like we tried to be strategic with the choices that we were making for her that she was making for herself once she hit college um yeah because i know you and i talked about this um at one point you when you're when your child wants to study dance and they're very excited about it you get to the age of 18 and they either hit a wall where it just stops, everything stops. There's no more dance. Le- they go off to college. There's no more dance lessons. There's no more competition team. This whole wonderful world that you might have been part of, all of those years, just ends. You just hit a wall and it's done. Or else, you think, okay, now I'm going to become a dancer, and you just fall off a cliff. You go from having structure of you know your home studio, your classes, what you're taking, you know, each day, and if you do a competition team, you know. Your your competition schedule, your um, convention schedule, all of a sudden, all that disappears, and you're just kind of out in the wilderness. So basically, that that's how I thought of it: either a wall or a cliff. And so we were trying to find a way through that. And thankfully, um, because we got connected, and all your connections with um, you know all the choreographers and the professionals in from the city, and all you know your guidance, we were able to find a path down that cliff so that she could keep moving forward. And so we tried to kind of keep that in our minds when she and I were thinking about like what what intensives to do and, you know, mm-hmm. looking at who are the teachers there. Are they choreographers who are currently hiring people or is this a good, you know, good networking opportunity for you? Because at that point now she's built a lot of techniques. So it's really just more focusing on um, networking skills and trying to, you know, work in that area and then just, for any extra type technique things that she wasn't getting, you know. Commercial.
0: Sure, I think it's difficult. Like I talked to a lot of young adults. The majority of my clients are young adults who are either in college or they are, they've recently graduated or they've been years in the New York market, the LA market, the Atlanta market, and they don't know which way to turn. They don't know how to get involved or meet people or fall into a camp of people who are actually in the know and working. And so, you've been very good at being able to find that. So maybe give everybody a little bit of an idea of how you did that. So I'm talking about, okay, I'm a new dancer. I've just moved to New York. I have no idea whose class to take. You were laser focused on commercial dance. And so you knew that that was your end goal. Some people don't, right? Some people are kind of just trying to figure it out. Um, And usually by the time you get out of a a musical theater program, a dance program at the collegiate level, you kind of know what your affinity is and you know what your passion is. I would believe at that point, you've, you've probably figured it out, but now you're put into a whole new environment and you're trying to figure out which dance hall to go to. You're trying to figure out, you know, which teachers to take from. So give us just a little bit of a nutshell of what you would suggest somebody like yourself should be doing when they first come to New York so that they can kind of find that initial way and get into a network of people. Like, just give us a little bit of advice on that.
1: I feel like there's two different ways to go about it. Like a lot of people just go to the biggest studios that are nearby and just start taking all the teachers and seeing who like has the things, like the tools that you need to learn from and like whose classes are packed. Like you can tell that way or social media is super helpful now. You can see who's working, who's choreographing, like who's going back between LA and New York. And you can kind of just tell Based on Because all of them post everything. You can tell based on their story which studios are teaching at, what times they're teaching, which one of theirs is like foundations and which is advanced. And as soon as you just start getting into the classes and talking to the dancers around you, even if you start at like really beginner level classes, they're going to keep telling you like, oh, I like this class. And this one's a really, this one's a push for me. And this one's a fun class for me. And like going to like the environments that are like a push, you will find more dancers who are really trying to be in the industry and like con- continuing to go to like harder and harder classes, talking to the dancers that look like they know what they're doing or are getting called out. And like, you want to be able to move like them talking to them on what they train in, who they take. That is how I feel like a lot of people can find what classes that they should be taking and who they should be making connections with. Also, it is different based on the individual, because if you enjoy a certain kind of like street jazz versus like another kind, like there's very different styles within all of them with the teachers. So like, there's a little bit of change between everyone, but you can tell who is choreographing and who you should be like in the know with, mostly from word of mouth with like other dancers and from social media, because once you start getting connected with some of the teachers, you can tell who they're working with, you can tell who they're inspired by, and it kind of just goes from there. Social media is a complete like tool to any dancer's advantage at this point. And even if you can't take classes sometimes because they're not teaching in New York, a lot of them do online classes now. Some teachers are like, you should take this teacher's class because it's like similar to their style. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Mm -hmm.
1: But yeah, mostly like, a lot, a lot of stuff I learned from like talking to other dancers and just getting connected online and just watching videos and being like, ooh, this person did this for this artist on stage, like on tour. And I'm like, I want to know who this choreographer is. And then you can look up, you can find their assistants, their assistants teach probably. Kind of that. Kind of just being a good stalker on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and just being friendly <laughs> with people in class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She developed
2: a really solid intentional networking skill, and it was it's a skill like any other uh, you know you could see it kind of blossoming as the years went on, and she was very intentional I that's that's the only word I can think of she she knew that the networking was going to be a big part of figuring out yeah. how to navigate this, and it's not going to happen for you no one is going to make it happen for you no one's going to um lay out a plan for you no one's going to just take you by the hand and do it for you there's there's i don't know if it even happens anymore like it did 40 50 years ago you could actually be discovered i don't think it works like that anymore you have to be intentional about the networking even with friends of parents you know A friend's parent meeting someone that they they brought to a dinner led to a choreography, a big choreography opportunity for her. And she was just networking with the people that she had around her. Um, So I think that, yeah, that was, you have to be, you have to intent, you have to know going into it that you're going to have to network. For
1: people who are shy, um, Carolyn was, she used to be sort of shy. Yeah, Yeah, I was really shy in high school. That was something I knew was I needed to put a lot of work into in order to figure out how to do the networking part, because it's not just how talented you are. That's a big part of it, but it's like a a double street. You need to be like, it's who, you know, and how talented you are, but sometimes like also be your behavior in professional spaces, because sometimes you could be the most talented one, but really hard to work with. And they're going to choose someone who's maybe less talented just because they are a way better team player and really easy to like pick up things and really easy going. Um, but, the, but a lot of it is connections.
2: But the networking stuff, if you're shy or if you're hesitant about it, it is a skill
1: like any other.
2: If you practice it, if you say to yourself, I yeah. have to be able to do this, just like, you know, learning some particular, you know, learning to do pirouettes on your left side because you're you're better at the right side. The more you practice, the better you'll be at it. It's definitely yeah. a skill you can improve. But um, I think that networking portion of it is, it's key. And Um, like I said, no one is going to make a plan for you. No one is going to just, you can't just show up in New York and be talented and think someone's now
1: going to just slot you right in. It doesn't. Yeah. It's absolutely something that you can work on. Like I used to look at all the teachers because I was looking at them mostly online first. Like they were like celebrities to me. And I was like, trying not to pee my pants, say, to just say thank you for class. (laughs) And now I can talk to them and I'm friends with some of them. And like, I have a mentor but like you can absolutely get better at that part by just learning how to talk to people and they are just people too but also (laughs) like not not only just like just when you get there you should start figuring out what classes to go to and start making your community but also it is important to start meeting people on the other side too like people who are connected like agents casting people people who actually need dancers for something like singers or people who are trying to create new like art in general and need choreographers, that is also a big part of making sure you can have your own opportunities. Not everyone has a manager or an agent and you can still be a working dancer without those things, but it's up to you to truly create and find those opportunities. So like that is a little bit harder networking, but putting yourself in creative spaces, it's the city. Like there is, there are a million different creative spaces, whether that's like you go to like the museum things, you go to like basement shows, you go to clubs and you meet artists there you go to people pitching things for Broadway, you do any anything that has anything connected to art, you will eventually meet somebody who needs some kind of marriage of dance in there. And like, mm-hmm. if you know how to network and like put yourself forward as like someone who could choreograph for them or someone who could dance for them, they will eventually remember you and they will come back and that will turn into an actual opportunity for you to work. Um, and those are just as important connection wise as, the, the actual dancers in the field too, like everything, everywhere you can get connected, get connected.
0: Totally agree. Yeah, I think too the the logistics of that to make that happen because some people this is all such great advice, but some people might be sitting back going, I, I don't know how to do that. How do I do that? But really, I think it's about showing up to class early so that you can socialize, staying late. Don't have to. Don't schedule yourself so tight that you can't you know stay a little bit later to kind of talk to the other people take it, it'll take a little longer to take off your shoes and like change and you know do whatever so that you have these moments where you can be like listening to groups of people talking and then be brave enough to interject in the conversation and oh hey i i relate to what you just said because hey my name is carolyn you know like you you have to kind of teach yourself those skills or learn them from somewhere. I mean, taking an acting class is sometimes a really great way that somebody can become more confident in themselves in those moments. And I think what you said too, Carolyn, is so important about finding opportunities to do your art with whoever, wherever, because that is, is going to build your resume to become more palatable to be able to get an agent or manager. So we've got a perfect segue here when you mentioned that, you know, to okay, now when is it time to say to yourself, all right, I'm getting work for myself, which of course, you know, it's kind of like a thread running through all of my podcasts that you know you do have to seek out work and you have to create some of it for yourself and you have to you have to say yes to things Like if you're in a, in a community and you also have to be brave enough to in a moment when you're feeling like it's appropriate for you to blow your own horn and say something wonderful about yourself so that someone knows who you are, because they don't know if you're sitting down having like lunch or dinner or a drink in, you know, a cocktail in a bar in New York with friends and people who are there who are producers or who are other artists. And if you don't interject what it is you do well, they're never going to know. And if you don't interject what you really want to do and what your passion is and what you your goals are in life, they don't know. So until you say it, but it's hard to say it. You know, it's like trying to say thank you to that teacher that you had mentioned earlier, you know, when you put them on a pedestal. I'm sitting across from this producer who's talking about something that I could help him with, but how do I actually get that to come out of my mouth? And that's something that like you said, Patty, it's a skill. It's a huge skill, but once you get those opportunities and you start to build your resume and you start to, you're kind of climbing the ladder, right? You're climbing the rungs of the ladder. You have enough built that then you can start seeking out professional representation. And that is certainly going to open huge doors and get you in all the rooms. So let's talk about your journey to representation. So what really was the turning point when you decided, or and either to either one of you, Patty or Caroline, like when did that kind of come into light for you that, okay, now it's time?
1: Well, that was always something that I I wanted to do because I love dance and I also, I do want to take it to the highest level I possibly can. And for commercial dance, that involves an agent because there are rooms that even if I have amazing networking skills, like I can't get into those auditions if I don't have a helping hand sometimes. Um, and, And networking can get you very far. Like I do know some people who have done big artist tours without representation, but for most people and for like a lot of opportunities, you need that to get sent into those rooms to even show people what you have to offer. As someone who wants to work for like big artists and music videos do movies work behind artists doing backup on tour i knew that i needed to do like the agency route um so thankfully i met you when i was young enough was still working on all the ingredients and the materials that i knew what to set up and what to work on i like knew from you that i needed to have like a pretty good resume i knew about getting real footage and figuring that out. Um, And I knew what that was supposed to look like. And that was all really helpful. So like when I was going through college and stuff, I was already assembling my resume. I was looking for opportunities. I was dancing with other people that were teaching me new skills and then like taking opportunities that pertain to those new skills until eventually I had a full resume of things that weren't just from high school and middle school, Mm -hmm. which is helpful when you're first starting. But once you get like to a higher level, you want to take those out and like replace them with more impressive and more like adult, like shows and jobs. And I also learned to like say yes to things in different fields and like do things in print, do things in choreography and whatever. So I had like a very like versatile resume. So it looks reputable. Like people can tell that I've worked with people before and they enjoyed me in order to like have me do other things for them. And I always liked making dance videos just because I enjoy doing like editing and filming and I enjoy dancing. Um, So that, that was a pretty good transition when you taught me about like needing to have a reel and what that's supposed to look like, because I was like, okay, I have all this footage. And then I learned that it's helpful to get footage from people's classes. And in the city, like when you get called into a group setting, like it shows that you were selected and you can take other people's choreography and do it too. And so then I finally had pieces of things that I made pieces that other people made for me and I could assemble a very nice reel. And that super helped so that when I was, it was time for me to send my stuff out, including the headshots Yeah, and including, yeah, like when really she, good headshots. So
2: she was assembling all that. She was kind of weeding out some of the earlier things that were on her resume mm-hmm. that start with, but you know, then she was replacing it with like, you know, work with Sean Curran. And um, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, the names of all the different choreographers <laughs> and things, but. she put those together and also when she was just about near graduation that if things came along she would be able to say yes without derailing the four years of effort that she just put into to get her degrees we invested in the professional headshots which are worth their money when you're really making that transition from yeah i'm pulling my assets together now I'm I'm transitioning into when I'm really gonna audition, when I'm really gonna try to get an agent, when I'm really gonna try to make this happen. That money in headshots it was worth its weight in gold. Yeah. We went to people that knew what they were doing, um, and in fact, they even said, you know, if if this person asked for this, they'll be all set because they know our work and like they they knew all the people in New York as well. So that's when we invested in those, and uh, it was just a few months before graduation, so that when she graduated she had all her assets together and was ready to go and if anybody asked for anything the answer could be yes because you do not want to ever say no because you don't know when that's then going to be the last time you get asked we kind of just built up this big wave to get all the assets together and then so she was you know other kids are graduating figuring out oh my gosh what do I do now and Carolyn was like Gates are open, I'm ready. Here's all my stuff, (laughs) here's to shop it around and and also still looking for opportunities.
1: Yeah, and having all those assets then when I, like it was time, because I had graduated and I actually had the space to start dancing professionally if that was an opportunity. Like Mm -hmm. I had all of this stuff to send to all the agencies and you had taught me just to keep trying until eventually like someone will give you a chance. So I was just sending those out every two weeks mailing the some of them that don't want stuff online, waiting six weeks for the others that don't want you to talk to them for six weeks in between until eventually some people are actually looking at my stuff, taking time. It takes a long time. It took almost seven months. That's,
0: you know what? That's about right. It's usually like once you have all your assets together, it's it's usually nine months to a year with most of my clients. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So it was like the end of May, so like May you started eight, and then eight
0: in February. Months. She got, yeah. On Valentine's Day, I got it. Right. It was great. It's very It's
1: <laughs> just <laughs> very perfect. Exciting. Yeah. Because that's my... Um,
2: and she would network, too, with um, people who, um, you know, any kind of agent, person, and they would say, oh, you might, you might work well with this agency or that person, you got to jump on that. And she would, she would, oh, yeah. like, you know, get, get her stuff right out. I mean, that was the, that's the blessing of having all of your assets together. Once you're ready to go, you're just going to delay everything by starting to assemble your assets at that point. It's better to have them all ready for the moment when you're really gonna jump. Yeah. So she had everything everything all ready to go. And she just, like she said, she just kept sending it. We did a lot of research. I remember helping with some of that. Oh my gosh. For different agencies and yeah. who she wanted by coastal because she a lot of the work that she is interested in is out in LA. Yeah. Um so, you know, we were researching that and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Very cool. You're also an amazing choreographer. And um I know, Patty, you let's just take a step back for a second and talk about her her college pieces and the accolades. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit because let's let's kind of go into the choreography piece because I think, you know, some dancers want to be professional dancers and do the whole, you know, commercial thing and all the all the different, you know, avenues that they have for that that you already mentioned. But then there are people who also have the choreography piece of it, which you do, and certainly there are professional representatives specific to choreography as well. So it's kind of, you know, you're in that kind of in-between space and you're young yet. So you do have to kind of pursue what it is that you have, you've been laser focused on, but the choreography piece is kind of sitting there and things are happening and bubbling up. And I don't know if it's kind of equated in your mind right now, but Patty talk to us a little bit about what happened with her senior year and her choreo. You know, they have different opportunities to to choreograph in their program, but they're
2: required to do one um, senior solo piece that they have to present and then they have to do like a senior capstone project where they have to um choreograph for a group and that has to be performed as well. And I knew that she had pretty nice choreography skills because I had seen her do, you know, like her senior piece when she was in high school when she was, you know, graduating and different things like that. But um Oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry. You did have a junior one too. They I mean they, they did okay. they did require it, but the senior ones were were very big and they needed them to graduate and I remember going to the senior solo show, and I didn't know what to expect. She is very private about, like, she won't show it before it's no. done. And, <laughs> yeah,
1: you no. know, we saw a lot
2: of pieces, and and some of the dancers, some of it was very good, um, some of it was was really good. But when Carolyn's senior solo came on, the level, it it was like this was a professional level piece of choreography. And then the rest were students, and I was I I was so proud, but I I couldn't believe it. I because she that's not the piece that she stresses is the choreography piece. But I saw it and I said to her that is it was fabulous, and that I felt like she had so much to say. That it's something that I hope that she would continue. And I thought, wow, I don't know if we'll be able to recreate that same experience that we had in the solo thing because it was so. I mean, the crowd went wild; everybody loved it. Flash forward to the spring for the the big capstone piece. And it was insane. It was, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was so proud that it was, it was excellent. It was excellent. It was riveting from start to finish. It was very unique. <laughs> kind of like at like brought in all of the new modern skills and things that she had been learning. Kind of gave it a her contemporary twist. Uh, yeah, ka- she kind of like put her own commercial twist on it. It was it was just spectacular. Same thing, the crowd went nuts. I feel like she's she's sort of like um, a a stem cell with with dance right now. She could she mm-hmm. could definitely go hard in just the dance direction. But I I really feel like she's got a lot to to say and a lot to give mm-hmm. the world. Choreography. Too, so sure. she, can really, she can really go in that. Sure. That
0: sure. Try. Yeah, absolutely. So Carolyn, how, like, have you been doing choreography on a professional scale? You don't have to be specific, but, you know, I, I know some things have been happening, but, you know, and how do you feel about juggling the two at the same time? Um, and how have auditions been going? Like, kind of give us a whole layout of what, what's been going on.
1: Yeah, so I became a professional choreographer by accident. That was not at all planned. But um, doing the elevator speech at many different things, some people are like, oh, well, can I see what you've choreographed? And I'm like, well, yeah, I've actually choreographed so many things. And then they're like, I want your choreography. I want you specifically. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And that moved me into doing some very big opportunities for upcoming projects and helping in places I didn't think I could have helped in, but I personally love doing it at the same time as dance because I love choreographing, but I also like, I always want to be in my pieces because <laughs> I, I really love dancing too. So I, I enjoy doing them both at the same time because then I get to be in the art. I get to be in other people's art sometimes. Sometimes I can't be in my art, but it's it's like both sides of the thing that I love. And so it is, it is great for me to do it at the same time but I do know that like for representation you kind of have to do one at a time so you get signed for dance so that's what I'm signed to now and it's my turn to be in all of the art but I get to continue doing just like choreography for my own self for my friends just for like just to make concepts um, at the meantime but if I want later to look for representation for choreography that would be a different kind of process of getting signed for that specifically and then making choreography for like other artists. I know that it is like two different things. Yes. But I'm enjoying somehow doing a little bit at the same time. I I really like that. I mean, you're kind of building a like a, yeah. a book of assets of choreography assets as well. So like if you, Yeah, I have built got some nice like before I was signed, I have built like a pretty impressive resume now of things that I've choreographed. And so, yeah, when it's when it's my turn to maybe shifts a little bit. I'm absolutely open to looking into choreography or wherever the wind takes me, but I, <laughs> I'm i interested in whatever different creative realm there is. Right,
0: right, right. It's so exciting to be young and have all of these opportunities and be so talented. It really is. I'm so proud of you and everything you've done.
1: Thank oh you. my gosh.
0: Um, so let's, before I want to get to this, I don't want to run out of time and not get to this. Let's talk about side hustles. I know you are extremely proficient in editing and in your visual talent in in regard to film. I know you have multiple side hustles. So talk a little bit about that and about how that has helped you, you know, through this journey as well.
1: Yeah. So I, I have a few different jobs that I do on the side, which are all skills that I taught myself actually. Same thing. I started when I was 11 wanting to be a professional dancer and, But I I had just started. So obviously I was not about to be on like Ariana Grande's backup tour. Like that wasn't going to (laughs) happen. So I learned how to edit. I learned how to shoot. I understood lighting. I figured out how to do camera work by myself. I figured out how to edit. So it zoomed and it looked like somebody else was holding it, even though it was just me. Because I was like, I don't have, I can't have a whole team of people doing this for me yet. And I can't pay a whole team as a 12 year old. So I figured out how to be the whole team myself. And so here I am now and I do social media for other people on the side. That's a separate one. I do editing. I do video and photo. I do just picture editing. I create graphics. So I kind of use all of those skills that I originally just learned for fun in order to make myself feel like a professional dancer. When I was little, um, I learned, I use those now in order to make me be actually able to be a professional dancer because you, you, almost always need a supportive job unless you're super high and super well known. So um, I use all of those things on the side and that is what keeps me afloat as I'm in between jobs and different things Mm -hmm. and makes it easier for me to be able to move from place to place because a lot of them are remote. But yeah, I just continue developing those skills since I was like 11 and like learning different kind of editing and saying yes to a bunch of different opportunities that weren't necessarily the thing that I was passionate about at the time, which now help me do the thing that I am passionate about. Um, And the newest side hustle I picked up is doing websites, which (laughs) I absolutely did not think I was going to be doing, but I've done now like four (laughs) of them this year already. Yeah. So yeah, like I'm always saying yes to new creative side hustles of things that I'm interested Mm -hmm. in help me, but are easily transferable. In high
2: school, your friends would just like, some of it started like her friends would just say, Oh, can you Photoshop this picture for my Instagram or whatever? Yeah. And it started with just stuff like that because she was just really good at some of those Mm -hmm. things. And then as time Mm -hmm. went on, more and more people were asking her to do that and it was taking up more and more time. And so she, you know, started to charge for it. And then she realized, wow, this can be, yeah, this can be where, you know, as opposed to back in the day, it would be waitressing, now it can be like this. Um, Because it's, it's at your own, it's, it's in your own time too. Like she can Mm -hmm. do it in the hours when she's not taking class. And then, you know, when she's in between dance jobs or
1: something.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: This way and, you know, keep it all going. And it helps like have a special skill because I'm still doing specialized work, no matter where I am versus having to do just like a service job or retail, which is just as valid if that is what you're doing, because you have to make the women winning formula somehow, but that was really helpful for me to have a remote job. So I still had like a open time during the week to go take classes and say yes to opportunities. And I could kind of do my work in between, whether that's on the train commuting or it's between two classes. I'm sitting like in a coffee shop in the city. I do my work then, or if my day is super busy and I'm performing, I can do it at night. Like I can figure out, how to create the optimal dance schedule, but still support myself in that way. So it was super helpful for me to create those kinds of skills. Yeah.
0: Cool. So what's the ultimate job for now? Like where are we seeing you in three to five years?
1: In three months, I'm going to be moving to Los Angeles. And that is kind of already what I want to be doing. Just being a dancer, being in a creative space there near where everything is happening. But yeah, where I'd like to be, I would love to be on tour with artists, dancing on stage, like as a backup. I would love to be in music videos, concept videos, movies that use dance in any kind of different way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just want to be where, just close to where everything is happening. I just want to be up there and I want to be a part of it. Like I I just love art and being in it. And I would love to be back and forth between Los Angeles and New York, but (laughs) a lot of that's in LA. So probably there
0: Amazing. we'll
1: really
0: see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. we'll we'll see. So, um, before we, before we close any advice that you can give either one of you, um, to, I don't know, to lift people up and give them some, um, guidance or whatever, any tips or tricks that you can think of that you want to leave the audience with
2: when you're, when you're starting out, build up, uh, really solid technique base so that you're ready for whatever and include uh you know voice lessons include acting be the whole picture so you can say yes to as much as possible and just keep plugging away at it just keep plugging away you know each stone is just one more stone in the path to get you there Enjoy the process as you go, and just realize that all of it is part of your dance career. Whether it's a, you know that opportunity at your studio to teach the three-year-olds preschool class, or an opportunity to choreograph for somebody who's gonna try to sell it to a big New York City ballet company, whatever the, the step in the road is, it's one more step, uh, you know, getting you further ahead. And even if it doesn't feel like you're not going to go right from your dance studio to making it on Broadway, you're not going to skip over all of these steps. So you're going to be laying each of these, these stones, one stone at a time and just be patient. Just keep going. Just keep chopping away at it. And before you know it, you look back and you realize how far you've come and you're that much closer to that moment where it will be you on
1: Broadway next. My advice for any dancers getting into the field or people who are already in this part of life is to have a lot and use a lot of self-compassion because progress is not linear and sometimes you're in class working and being consistent for months and it doesn't feel like you're getting better but you are you are you just can't necessarily always see it for a while and all of those times spent in class make a difference but sometimes you don't you can't see yourself making that progress for like a few months but then you'll get you'll like jump ahead and it will go just as you want it to go for a while but then you'll you'll reach another thing another like plateau for a bit and like learning how to separate your self-esteem from your career is I think a survival skill that you need to be a dancer because a lot of dancing is rejection or competition between you and other people but you and those people are not actually competing as human beings you are both just as valid and just as Oh my God, just as like important as each other. It's just an art world where if someone has an idea of what they want something to look like, they're just looking for whoever can give that exact idea in their head and make it happen out loud. You need to really separate who you are and your worth as a human being from your career and your productivity in this field. Like my mindset is truly what makes me, I think, able to love and continue loving what I do and do well at it is because I can let things roll off. And I'm like, even if I do horrible in a class one day, I'm like, I was having a bad day, but I showed up regardless and I survived that class. And obviously I can do better on other days, but I did this all on a bad day and it's fine. I'm human. That That is my my biggest piece of advice, I think truly for being sustainable in this field is compassion, like self-compassion. I
0: love, I love that, that was amazing. That was great. So if anyone would like to get in touch with you guys, can you share a way that they could message you or get in touch with you and also to follow Carolyn's journey further?
1: Yes. My social medias that I use often are my Instagram, which is Carolyn Chester, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-C-H-E-S-T-E-R-R. And then my YouTube, which is just Carolyn's Dance Channel. And if you ever need to reach me for like a business inquiry uh, or anything <laughs> like that, um, my email is C-A-C period C-A-R-O-L-Y-N at gmail.com.
2: Perfect. You can get any of hers. I'm not as easily accessible through social media, but <laughs> if you had a question for me, if you pose it to Carolyn, she'll pass it on to me. Yeah, we'll bring it back.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I'll Awesome. I love this. This has been so great. You guys shared so many wonderful things that people can use so that they can, you know, execute and like feel comfortable about moving into the world of professional performance. This has been so great. Thank you guys so much. Thank you
1: you for having (laughs) us. Thank you.
0: If you'd like to follow Carolyn to keep up with all that she's doing, follow her on Instagram at Carolyn Chester with an extra R at the end and join me every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Need more information? Visit LBCTalent.com and follow me on socials at Lisa Solak underscore LBCTalent. By sharing our stories, we can help other talented individuals land the career of their dreams.